0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Dakota Mace. Dakota Mace is an interdisciplinary artist whose work focuses on translating the language of Diné history and beliefs. Mace received her MA and MFA degrees in photography and textile design from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and her BFA in photography from the Institute of American Indian Arts. As a Diné artist, her work draws from the history of her Diné heritage, exploring the themes of family, lineage, community, and identity. In addition, her work pushes the viewer's understanding of Dene culture through alternative photography techniques, weaving, beadwork, and papermaking. She also has worked in numerous institutions and programs to develop dialogue on the issues of cultural appropriation and the importance of Indigenous design work. She is currently a grad advisor in painting and drawing at the School of Art Institute in Chicago, and the photographer for the Helen Louise Allen Textile Center and Center for Design and Material Culture. Her work as an artist and scholar has been exhibited nationally and internationally in various conferences, collections, museums, and galleries, including the Textile Society of America, Weave a Real Peace, Indigenous Photograph, 400-Year Project, Wright Art Museum, Contemporary Art Center, Kemper Museum of Art. So let's jump into this conversation with Dakota Mace. hi. Thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Really excited to be here.
0: Would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, about yourself, where you're from?
1: Of course. Um, so, um, so, hello, friends and family. Um, My name is Dakota Mace. I am an interdisciplinary artist um, who works with um, really focusing on translating the language of Diné history and uh, beliefs through my artwork. So I'm originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I currently live in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, So I received my MA and MFA degrees in photography and textile design at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and my BFA in photography from the Institute of American Indian Arts. Um, So to talk a little more briefly about my work, um, as a Diné artist, my work draws from not only the history of my Diné heritage, uh, where I explore not only the themes of family, lineage, uh, community, and identity, um, but I also want my audience to take away from my work the changing and understanding of Diné culture, and especially native culture, uh, through alternative photography techniques, um, weaving, beadwork, and papermaking.
0: Before I jump into the the next question, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, you've been uh, active uh, since about 2014, 2016. Um, have you seen in, in, I guess, kind of relatively in the short amount of time, a shift in uh, techniques or approaches to photography or to image making?
1: Oh, definitely. So there's been a huge change, um, especially in the way that people understand photography. Um, I think a lot of times people's understanding of photography comes from, you know, the digital camera that every family owns captures, you know, all of the family images. Um, But something's really changed about how photography has been really prevalent in terms of documentation for not only, um, you know, all of our history, but also especially with Indigenous people and looking at how the camera has essentially kind of switched in the way that we understand it and an opportunity to be able to uh, see it as a, a tool to help us better preserve our, our culture and our language and, um, and, like I said, our histories. And something about photography in the last couple of years is just trans, pretty much transcended into an opportunity to invite others to understand outside cultures and i think that's kind of the beauty of photo is the the changes that happens and the different types of photographers that are now being invited into a lot of um what unfortunately at that time was kind of exclusive spaces
0: and i think that's a great point Um, right now i feel like we are in this this time where as indigenous people Um, we're really taking control of our own stories and how we're documenting those things.
1: Yes, definitely. And that's something that uh, my current work kind of talks about is looking at how the only existing photographs of Indigenous people and Native people is essentially kind of erased our identity and really romanticized our pain. And as a photographer, and especially as an Indigenous photographer, um, you know, we have that chance to be able to share our stories either from our families, our elders, our community members um, and change the understanding of that and give the chance to essentially give the microphone um, to one another rather than it being documented by an outsider.
0: Very true. Very true. And for us to be able to use our voices to tell our own stories. um, Yeah. So would you be able to talk about uh, your biggest influences?
1: Yeah, some of my uh, biggest influences are actually my grandfather and my mother. Um, So it was actually through their own art practices that really inspired me to become an artist. So my family comes from a really long line of silversmiths, and seeing my grandfather's work as a child made me really want to work in a very similar manner. Uh, So this included understanding design from a Diné perspective, as well as looking at kinship and the passing of traditions through art, um, and my mother was also an artist, so even though she didn't consider herself one. Um, you know, I really thought the portraits that she drew as a teenager were amazing, and that was something kind of my first introduction to art was through my family. Um, my grandmother also played a tremendous role in my work as an artist today. Unfortunately, um, she passed at a very young age, and well. A lot of other um, Dene or indigenous youth had a chance to learn from the matrilineal heritage to their grandmothers, Um, I wasn't given that same opportunity so the memories of my ancestors and my grandmother especially exist within the kind of few photographs that we have and like any native person we have copies and copies of our images um, and to be able to share that but it's through those candid photos of her existing within the background or within portraits uh, really give me a small glimpse into her world. And it's given me a chance to really inspire my work today where it's kind of being able to see those stories through those images and those very fleeting moments um, really shows the resiliency of a strong Dene woman. Um, and that's something that really stands out to me each time I view images of her is visualizing not only her strength as a mother um a wife and a sister and grandmother with existing within those tangible markers of history so through her short lifeline, she really inspired not only her children but also her grandchildren um, and her memories live on within us and she, you know she can be seen in the way that we speak our laughs our smiles um and within the land that she called home um so it's for me The family is a big part of my identity as an artist, but it's also my ancestors before me, um, and especially for my grandmother, was a lifeline to our culture and really allowed us to reclaim our narratives through our family photographs and really challenge the traditional notions of the uh, colonial understanding that surrounds the reading of indigenous photographic imagery. Um, So this was a moment that really defined a new era of sovereignty, especially for myself, but also for all indigenous people of thinking about resilience and survival and really reminds us the importance of our stories, really opening up opportunities to see our history um, as a continuum of our traditions and our culture.
0: It's it's beautifully said. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, as, you know, um, as I'm making my journey through uh, uh, life and even maybe career a little bit, uh, the, the bits that I'm learning um, help me understand uh, old photographs of my family members that have long since passed. Um, maybe even understanding my history a little more brings me a little closer to those family members who some of whom I've never met. Mm-hmm. And so even though a photograph was taken in the forties or fifties uh, or before that, they don't seem so distant to me.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something that has been ongoing for myself um, with the project that I've been working on is looking at the family album and especially how the photograph has um, essentially been an amazing starting point in terms of how we can translate that history into a different way and how through those photos um, you know we have a better understanding of our our ancestors experiences and um, especially being a foundation of who we are and how those those photographs uh, become uh, more than just memories they are a documentation of our histories and especially those forgotten um, moments that surround us and especially uh, as and person, a Navajo person, um, our memories exist within the land, and that's something that I continue to believe with with our photographs being an imprint of that. Uh,
0: is this uh, project that you're working on right now? Is it? Um, what's the timeline for it to, I guess, be out there?
1: Uh, it, it will be out pretty soon. <laughs> okay. So uh, the project actually initially started. I want to say about seven years ago. Um, So it has been really a huge kind of step within the last year uh, because this project initially started with the photographs of my family that came from various personal archives and collections. Uh, So for me, this project Continue to grow as more stories are shared and more experiences are created. Um, and that's something that I think is hard for a lot of outside individuals viewing my work to understand is that for Indigenous people, we don't see it in a very linear timeline. Like these moments are all coexisting as one. Um, and especially kind of speaks to our viewpoint of seeing ourselves within the past, the present, and the future.
0: I know our listener can't see, but I'm I'm nodding my head in agreement. What you're saying speaks to me so so well. So, how how have you developed your career, uh, both college and post college?
1: Uh, So that's actually a really great question because I never actually considered that. (laughs) when I kind of talk about my work, Um, but what really started my career was wanting to pursue a graduate degree after finishing my BFA in photography. And like a lot of um, Native youth, I didn't want to stop learning. And getting a graduate degree seemed like the most logical step at the time. So thankfully, this was when I met my mentor, Tom Jones, who is a Ho-Chunk photographer, but also a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So he was the one that saw something in my earlier work (laughs) and really encouraged me to attend grad school at UW-Madison. And it was great because Tom helped me navigate not only the world of academia, which is something many Native students are unfortunately not prepared for, uh, but he also helped me bring my work to another level and Today, I continue to thank him for just being there for me. And it was after my MFA in photography that I was asked to continue at UW-Madison for a second MFA in textiles. Um, So this related to my research with textile history and photo history kind of being together as one. Um, And this is where I started to research more on indigenous textile history and the importance of understanding how our symbols are deeply embedded within our designs itself. Um, So this morphed into developing a cultural appropriation curriculum through the Center of Design and Material Culture and the Helen Louise Allen Textile Collection, uh, which focuses on ways that artists and designers can learn with and through Indigenous objects, Um, and especially looking at how honoring the people, the histories, and of course the knowledge systems that created those things um, and continue to give it meaning. Um, So through this curriculum, it continues to adapt and shift and change, and the end goal is to help not only students and community members, um, but also Indigenous people to give the opportunity to have a better understanding of the stakes of cultural appropriation for Indigenous communities and develop Essentially, tool cool or toolkits of questions and approaches that they can use while engaging with a range of cultural objects in ethical and respectful ways. Um, so this is an ongoing effort with so many amazing individuals um, through UW Madison, and we hope to be able to share this information to a broader audience. You know, as soon as possible, possible, but also to be making it accessible. Um, so having the information available online, um, but that's also, again, just an ongoing process. So that's kind of my career right now is working for the Center of Design and Material Culture as their in-house photographer and developing the cultural appropriation curriculum, um, but also being a graduate advisor for um, art students at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago.
0: I think that's such great work um, with, social media uh sort of being the i think the biggest uh communicator of, of issues right now um, i see online a lot of um, uh, fashion companies uh appropriating culturally appropriating images uh, from from our cultures and uh, taking those images and applying them to their designs and whatnot and i always wonder um how to approach or how to to, to say something or, or do something um, that's not reactive to those things. You know, you see those, but how, how, how does one engage um, those companies or people that are doing this? And I think the work that you're doing would, would be great in, I guess, um, giving us guidelines or guidance to be able to, to approach those things. If, if that's what this is for.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's an opportunity for people who don't have experiences working with Indigenous artists or designers um, to be able to learn those histories. But it's also uh, through the toolkit gives them the chance to ask questions about the works that they're creating or um, relationships that they're building with organizations or companies whether or not this is something that's sustainable or something that they should continue to develop um, and whether or not it will hurt those communities that they're pulling those designs from or working with. Um, so it kind of flips the script where rather than being the voice of what is the right and wrong to cultural appropriation, we're giving it back to the audience to ask those questions to themselves in order to make those decisions.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great um how how do opportunities present themselves to you
1: um so many of the opportunities that i've been fortunate to be part of have come from working uh not only with others on certain projects but also uh, just presenting my work in spaces that are interested in learning about danae history um, textiles and photography So this is kind of the project that I talked about that's been ongoing for the last seven years is photographs that come from my family. Um, So during my first year in graduate school, I initially started this project becoming really interested in the family archive, and this interest in the family album has been ongoing as long as I can remember. So growing up, I often admired a single wall of photographs in my grandparents' home, and it was a wall filled with so many memories and photographs and incomplete frames and printed from, you know, a simple um, copier. And these photographs really became an inspiration as a photographer and seeing how my family documented our lives and the few material objects in those memories. So this home became the central point of all of my work, a place that I remember very fondly and still today stands on the Navajo reservation. So as a child, we would spend countless hours playing outside in the high desert terrain and climbing pinyon trees and creating imaginary worlds uh, with broken or forgotten objects surrounding us. So as I grew older, I, of course, naturally became the family photographer. So documenting our lives at pitiful moments. So that was birthday parties, um, funerals, and something as simple as dinner. I would be there to photograph. So these became my prized possession, so each photograph was a chance to go back and relive these moments. But once I reached grad school, I felt a sense of kind of disconnect because I would see mountains of albums of photographs that represented different periods of history and various photographers who documented the lives of their ancestors before them. And the only documentation of my ancestors existed within the archives of museums institutions or private collections. So this was the point that I decided to see the family album as an opportunity to tell our stories, the stories of our families and our histories and our relationship to the land. So this translated to my current body of work, uh, which is called the Hotellina, which means sacred places. So this focuses on Huedi, which is also known as Bosque Redondo, uh, which is located in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. So Hwedi is a site that was the final stop in what is known as the long walk for the Dene, which was a painful removal of my ancestors from their home. So the name is the Dene name for Fort Sumner, and it was a place of extreme hardship where many of my ancestors were imprisoned from 1864 to 1868. Um, So during this period, many Dene people perished and were unable to return to their home, And the only existing photographs, um, again, erased our identity and romanticized our pain. And the stories remembered come from our elders and each story was passed on from one generation to the next. So many of these stories in the history of Hueydu or itself were omitted from the US history books that really furthered the effects of colonialism. So while the stories existed, many elders chose not to tell those stories, believing that it would cause further harm to remember those memories. So the project itself provides a platform for carefully using photography and oral narratives to offer healing for those who came before us in future generations.
0: What would you say to the 18 to 22-year-old uh, that's listening to this conversation?
1: Um, continue to be inspired by your family and your culture. Uh, what I hope that my audience, as well as a younger generation, uh, can take away from my work is a better understanding of Dene history just being one part of the bigger story of Indigenous people. Um, Not only is it vital to speak about Dene histories to people, but it's also providing that platform to understanding the broader issues of Indigenous history within America. So many of these events that change our culture and our land really stems from colonization and is again omitted from those history books. And it's through my work that each narrative that I work with really tells the importance of our people and kind of the various experiences that are the foundation of who we are, which is Diné, which translates to the people.
0: Hmm. Where, where can our listener uh, find uh, find your work, find you on online?
1: Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. <laughs> okay. So if you uh, just type in my name, Dakota Mace, I'm usually the first one to pop up. Uh, But I also do have a website. Um, Again, if you just type in Dakota Mace, um, Diné Artists or Navajo Artists, uh, my website will be one of the first ones that pops up and gives a really good description of uh, various series that I've developed, um, but also um, just giving the opportunity for people to be able to learn more about my work um, as an extension of understanding the, the history of Dene people, but also um, seeing it as an opportunity to open up doors uh, for other younger Indigenous photographers to um, be inspired and to use those opportunities as a chance to learn about who they are.
0: Well, Dakota, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of this, this program. This was really great to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks again for inviting me. And I really enjoyed um, not only talking with you, but also just sharing my work.
0: And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Dakota again for her time and sharing her story with us. The work that she's doing addressing cultural appropriation is an extremely important one to Native American people. You know, the there's this, I think consistent urge to sort of move on from this topic or to roll your eyes when we speak of cultural appropriation. And I, I think it's it's this theme in, in America to sort of dismiss Native American issues, you know, the, the stolen land, the violation of treaty rights, the missing and murdered indigenous people, the boarding schools, uh, cultural appropriation. And I think if you catch yourself rolling your eyes at any of these or having an urge just to shut off this podcast or not to listen to these conversations, I think it's, it's an important moment for an individual to look in the mirror and really assess where their values are. Native Americans, Indigenous people, they're, they're not asking for anything more than anyone else is in this world, and that's for respect and to be recognized and I think that's a small ask. And so when you know a lot of these, these textile companies and these fashion designers are taking Native American imagery and making it their own, it, it's a real disservice to people that really have lost everything uh, to the American experience. And I'm not saying America's a bad place. I'm not saying that um, the listeners are, are bad people, just the opposite. I think that people have a general inability to put themselves in the shoes of people who have been part of a process uh, a deliberate process in america to keep them in a certain place and at the end of the day i think it's more of an economic social issue uh, than anything else Um, but that's a shifting perspective and a constant conversation and so i think as americans uh, we really need to think about that but that's uh That's for another discussion. So, Dakota, thank you for having this discussion and sharing your your work and experience with us. I look forward to your upcoming projects, and we will will keep an eye on what what you're doing next. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please, join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me at Cana, at C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and our PlainsArt.org website. There, you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. So, if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please find me on social media and message me. I'd like to hear from you. All right, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next week. This has been an 11 War Yards production.